This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Independent news commentary with a California perspective. Season 8, Episode 9. Five Oregon counties vote to join Idaho. An interview with Mike McCarter, president of Move Oregon's Borders. Voters in five rural Oregon counties voted in favor of leaving Oregon on Tuesday, which is the latest move that wants to see a big section of Oregon join neighboring Idaho. The move pits rural agricultural counties against urban areas and would align the seceding counties with Idaho, a state which is more in line with rural values. With us today to discuss the vote is Mike McCarter, president of Move Oregon's Borders. But first, a brief review of geography and demographics. Oregon is located in the Pacific Northwest with a population of 4.3 million people. 47% of the population is concentrated in Portland, its largest city, and the surrounding Willamette Valley in the northwestern quadrant of the state. The eastern region, east of the Cascade Mountain Range, is more sparsely populated, and it's primarily agricultural with the timber and mining industries playing a large role in the economy. Idaho, to the east and north of Oregon, has a population of 1.8 million. It is slightly smaller than Oregon, and its economy is also heavily agricultural. Food processing, timber, paper, and mining industries are also a big part of Idaho's economy. Mike McCarter is an Oregon native and president of Move Oregon's Borders, as well as president of Citizens for Greater Idaho. He joins us today from his home in Lapine, Oregon. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Mike, could you take a few moments and uh, tell us about your background and how you got involved with this movement to redraw the borders of Oregon? Well, thanks, Jim. Um, I'm a, a, a lifelong Oregonian, 74 years in Oregon. The only time I've lived outside of Oregon is, is during the Vietnam War when I was uh, in the military there. I'm married. I have nine children, 25 grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, past president of the Oregon Association of Nurshamen, past president of Agribusiness Council of Oregon. I was asked to attend a sort of a pizza party about with a group of people here in Lapine, Oregon, about the situation in Oregon where rural Oregon is not being listened to in our state legislature, not the, when laws are being passed, it's not being considered. And we started talking about what we could do to potentially bring about a change. And it's almost like a David and Goliath situation where, you know, why, how, how can a group of rural Oregonians change what is happening in the overall state of Oregon? We decided to form an organization in December of 2019 and launched that organization called Move Oregon's Border in 2020, in January. Little did we know that we were going to run into the the block wall of 
COVID-19 mm-hmm. and how that was going to affect what we were doing, we made a decision to approach 18 complete rural Oregon counties and three partial counties with our proposal, asking the citizens of each county one at a time, would you like to start the process of looking into the possibility of your county becoming a county of Idaho? Now, it's not answering all the questions. It's not dealing with all the issues. It's just a vote to say, yes, we want to look into it. Yes, we want to start finding out some of these answers so that we can make a logical decision. Mm-hmm. We launched that. Uh, we, we fought the, the public um, system of, of trying to get a petition going in each county. In some counties, it required five or six rewrites to get it onto the ballot. Mm-hmm. Some counties absolutely refused to put it on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took it to court in three counties. We won in two. We lost in one and moved on from that. We had our first big rally with Douglas County in Roseburg, Oregon, in March, early March of 2020. Almost 500 people showed up for that rally. Uh, The word I heard out of that rally was hope. There was hope that something could change, that the Oregon legislature would recognize the problem and allow us to leave. Mm -hmm. Our question was, we're allowed to elect the officials who govern us, but are we allowed to elect who governs us, Hmm. a state, either Oregon or Idaho? That rally was the first big push. Two days later, the whole state shut down because of COVID-19. Yes. During that shutdown, it was extremely hard to get signatures, to get the petitions on the ballot in those counties that approved those petitions. But we kept working at it one-on-one, wearing masks, having little groups get together, things like that. We managed to get four counties on the November ballot in 2020. In that ballot, we lost two. We won in two. There was a problem with that. It was a very new message getting out to the people. We're a grassroots organization with really no financial support. Everything has come in either out of our pockets or the donations from people in 5 and $10 or $25 at a time. So the message really didn't get out. We got on those four ballots right before the election, right before the deadline to get them on the ballot. Yep. But we missed the deadline for voter information. So there was no information even in the voter pamphlet I see. about it. And because of that, we feel that we lost in the two counties. Uh-huh. One county, we lost by 40 votes. Gosh. Another county, which was Douglas County, 61,000 people voted on the issue. We lost, we won by, you know, the yes votes were 25,000, the no votes were 36,000. I, I considered that a win mm-hmm. because we just couldn't get that message out. Mm-hmm. Now we kept working at it. And then just a couple of days ago in the May 18th election, we had five counties voting and one in all five counties with an average of 62% in favor of it. That's amazing. So, That's, uh, it looks like but, you're really building a head of steam there from November through this, this past Tuesday. 62% oh, in favor in those five counties? 
Yeah, the low the low was was fifty four percent. The high was seventy four percent. Amazing. So it, it is. It it is a, an incredible win, and we did it on nickels and dimes and people to people. But in the in the year, a little more than a year that we've been working on it, we managed to get that message out. Uh, I traveled two three thousand miles in the last couple of weeks of that election, meeting with small groups of people, trying to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. Because because Oregon's rural counties are very large counties with a small population base. Yes. And there was no real media outlet that we could reach everybody. And so we did a, a direct mail twice to every resident in each one of the five counties with just a large postcard stating the facts and asking them if they want their county commissioners to start looking into this. That's amazing. And that's the way the vote came back. And, well, it, and it, it's, an, it's incredible. My, the, uh, Mike, I'm, the I, am, I am so impressed that a small grassroots movement like yours could mm-hmm. win uh, a thumping majority in five counties, 60% plus of the vote, to start the process to leave the state of Oregon. Now, first of all, before, mm-hmm. we, before we move on with the program, first of all, I want to thank you for your service to our country, your service uh, in Vietnam. Thank you very much. Sounds as though you've had a uh, very productive and exciting life. Wonderful family there in uh, rural Oregon. And now you're you're starting a whole new career, which is organizing and getting out the vote and traveling around the state and uh, getting votes. So kudos to you. There is, there, there is a, a second and a third opportunity to uh, for for careers here so once again Mike thank you for all that you've done now let's move on to what the next steps are because it looks like you have the five counties that voted in favor this past Tuesday and then the two counties that voted in favor last November that gives you seven counties out of the total number of counties that you've targeted of did you say you've targeted 19 counties in total yeah uh, 18 complete counties and three partial, so a total of 21 counties, Jim. I see. So you've targeted 21 counties. Right now, you're seven to two in favor. So you've got seven counties that have voted yes, two that have voted no, but those two perhaps somewhat questionable circumstances. So it looks like you're on a roll. looks like you've got some momentum going here. So, Mike, tell us what the next steps are in this historic movement for the people of Oregon. Well, Jim, to, to give a little background on this county-by-county county approach, we don't have to have every county voting in favor. Mm-hmm. The more counties that do vote in favor of looking into this move, the bigger impact it is on the Oregon legislature and the people to start talking. Mm-hmm. It also provides an impact to the legislators in Idaho who are watching this, mm-hmm. because this is not a salesman talking. This is the rural people of Oregon that are talking. So it's it's not a sales job or anything like that. It's rural people, individual citizens speaking out. And that's the way a representative government should work. So now our next step, we're moving on. We've got four or five more counties lined up 
for the next election. And we're going to continue to work with that. A month ago, we met with the Oregon legislature, excuse me, the Idaho legislature. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to um, spread the message about Move Oregon's border to approximately a third of the legislators in Idaho in that one meeting. I'm sure there was questions that came out, but the biggest comment that I I heard was, we would like to see what this this most recent vote's going to come out like. So I believe that there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines thinking, is this just a, a, a flash? Is there really something to it? Is there momentum to it? Are there enough people behind it? that we're actually going to take a hard look at it. Mm -hmm. And we believe that's what's going to happen. Now, the Oregon legislature is still in session. Yes. And it's been almost impossible to talk to them individually about anything to do with New Oregon's border while they're dealing with the processes that are going on in Salem. So after they break, we have plans to meet with several of the representatives and state senators throughout Oregon uh, about move Oregon's border, not necessarily asking them to do anything, but to, to make them aware of the situation such that when it does come out within the Oregon legislature, there's some honest to goodness looking at it taking place mm -hmm. that it's not just, eh, we're not going to deal with this issue. Now, Mike, let's because just go, let's just come back to this vote that just took place on Tuesday in those uh, in those five counties. So, mm -hmm. each each one of those five counties, the county commissioners, that's the the supervisors basically of that county, they have now been mandated by the voters to look into the redrawing of the borders to join Idaho. And what is the timeline? Do they actually have to issue a report in a specific period of time? And if so, to whom do they have to send the report? You know, there is no sunset clause on that ordinance. So as long as negotiations are going on with this particular movement, they have to meet. And each county is a little bit different. Some of them twice a year, some of them three times a year. They have to meet and discuss the issue. Plus, they need to promote it. Now, it's not move Oregon's border that's holding them to their feet to the fire. It's the people that voted in favor of it, because those are constituents that want some action to take place. So understand that a vote in the county has no leverage on the Oregon legislature, none whatsoever. Right. So the next step, I would think, with the commissioners, if I were one of those commissioners, I would start a committee within my county looking into this, listing all the questions, all the particulars that we're concerned about in our county, and such that when the negotiations start between Oregon and Idaho, any particular issue that is, is important to our county is brought up in those negotiations. Now, Mike, I think I read, Otherwise, I think I read somewhere that the governor of... Idaho governor was Little. Uh, that that he was in favor of, of this. Is that correct? Yeah, Governor Little did come out and say, I understand the frustration that people are dealing with and, and their desire to become part of Idaho because of Idaho's people and, and their values. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it's surprising how many of Idaho's representatives and senators 
are, are in favor of this. They may not all be coming out and speaking for it because, after all, they're politicians. Sure. Uh, but but they are, and I've got some, you know, really great relationships going with some of these representatives where we can talk in the middle of the night if we need to talk in the middle of the night over the phone about a particular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our core team within Move Oregon's Border, one of our core members is former Speaker of the House in Oregon, uh, a House of Representatives. And when uh, Mark and I went over to speak to the legislature, he has been in the trenches. He understands what these people are dealing with. And the acceptance was just incredible. And so uh, it's three campaigns working at the same time. The campaign in rural Oregon counties, the campaign with Northwest Oregon and the Oregon legislature, and the campaign with the Idaho people and the Idaho legislature. I see. So eventually, now you uh, earlier you were telling me that in the past, states have redrawn their borders in the past. Tell us a little bit about that history. And you also mentioned that this movement is going on in other states in North Carolina, in Illinois. Give us a sense of that movement. Well, Jim, borders between states are arbitrary. They're not cast in stone. Mm -hmm. And they have changed over the years. The most recent change in Oregon was uh, uh, the borderline between Oregon and Washington. It was originally set up on the Columbia River. Well, when the Columbia River changed course, then the border was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the way the process works, if one state wants to work with another state and change the border, they both come into an agreement. That agreement sent back to Congress for approval, and it's done. Now, it's been done when states were, were formed uh, years ago, West Virginia, Virginia with Maryland and, and some of those states back there. It may be happening again where we're talking about the District of Columbia becoming part of the state of Maryland. Correct. Now, in Illinois, 23 counties have voted in favor to leave the state of Illinois and either start a new state or become part of Indiana or another state. Really? Because they're fed up with, with what's, you know, being controlled by Chicago. Mm-hmm. In talking to some of the uh, politicians in North Carolina that that have called me, uh, they're they're looking at some of their counties that want to move to Tennessee. So this this is not just an Oregon issue. Uh, we go back. You and I talked about the, the particular issues in California about you know the rural counties wanting to get away from some of the populated counties there. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the leadership or the direction that uh, California's legislative people have taken California. Well, in fact, so it's, it's there's a, here in California, the northern part of the state, there's been a movement to create a new state out of some of the northern counties. It would, it would be called mm-hmm. the state of Jefferson. Now, that would be a different approach. That would be the creation of a new state which would have its own two senators, its own representatives and the House of Representatives. So that's somewhat different from what you, that's quite different from what you're proposing. The Jefferson State 
movement, which has been under discussion in Northern California for a long time, it hasn't moved to the level of seriousness that you folks have. And of course, it would require the creation of a new state. The beauty of your approach is that you're simply talking about a modification of the border and would not require the admission of a new state into the union, which is a very long and arduous process. True. Now, it, it sounds simple in a way, Jim, but it's not It's not really that simple. It, it, is, it is a process that's going to take some dealing to work with. Some issues are, 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 you know, might be bitter pills that people have to swallow. But, it, it you know, it boils down to uh, money and freedom. Yes. What, what are people willing to give up? How much of the freedom they're willing to give up for money? And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an interesting process. We, if you've look at our, looked at our map to move Oregon's border, it does have a, a portion of it that moves down into California. I noticed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. we, we, yeah, we feel that, that first, the first step, of course, is rural Oregon has to become part of Idaho. Yes. At that point, then we could reach out to five or six of the the northern rural California counties and say, would you like to be part of Idaho? Because they're conservative. Uh, they're very rich counties. Uh, they, they would help in the overall income status of Idaho. And, you know, basically we've looked at, at uh, four or five southeastern Washington counties that want to see the same thing. So it's, it's, it's just the beginning of a movement like this. Where it'll go, the timing, there, there's an issue that has to take place in Idaho first. And we have Idaho representatives are going to bring it to the forefront in January in their, their regular session. And that Idaho has to go through a constitutional change that allows them allows Idaho to accept other counties from other states. I see. That's current that's currently not in their constitution. Once it passes through the legislature, then it goes to a vote of the people. And that would take place in November of two thousand twenty two. So the citizens have a cha- have a say so. Not just adding Oregon counties, but if say they want to add Montana counties or Nevada counties, mm-hmm. or any other land outside of the traditional borders of Idaho, that that has to pass. Um, now, now, Mike, in addition to, yeah. so you've, you've given us a very good sense of the mechanics and the, the next steps in the timeline. What are the underlying issues that are driving this desire by the citizens of Oregon to leave Oregon and join Idaho? What are the basic concerns that people of Oregon feel are not being met by the current state of Oregon that could be better met by the state of Idaho? Well, right now, Jim, the the cultural divide between rural Oregon and northwest Oregon is as big as the Grand Canyon. The values are dramatically different between them. If you stop and look at it, Urban situations, people uh, are not really attached to their communities. They're not really attached to their land on it. They just as soon buy a house, fix it up, 
two, three years later, sell it, move on to the next one, that type of thing. And compare that to a rural Oregonian who might be three, four, five generations deep in owning their land. Mm -hmm. They're tied into their communities. They're tied into their schools. They're tied into their families. Uh, it, it's a it's a whole different outlook on the way people should live. So we in rural Oregon want to maintain our values. We don't want to pick up and move to another state. We don't want to uproot. We don't want to lose our land. We don't want to move away from our families. We just want to have, maintain the same values, and that those values are recognized supported and protected in the state of Idaho, and they're not in the state of Oregon when it comes to the leadership of the governments. Now, when you speak to when you speak to the governor of Oregon or to the state legislators, are they are are they willing to listen? Are they open minded about these concerns? Or do you feel that they're being dismissed? I think they're being dismissed to be honest with you, currently. Now, we, we have not sat down with a large number. I think that our state representatives and our state uh, senators in rural Oregon will sit down and listen to us because they've been snubbed in Salem. They, you know, Salem doesn't care to hear what, what a representative from rural Oregon wants to say or caution somebody about a particular piece of legislation. Because right now, Oregon's legislature has an agenda. That agenda is focused on urban Oregon, on northwest Oregon, on Portland issues of homelessness, of drug laws, of taxation. Oregon doesn't have a balanced budget. I don't believe California has a balanced budget. They believe that, okay... We're going to take and spend it. Then we're going to figure out how to tax it and get the money from the people. That's not the way we're set up. You and I can't live without a budget. Idaho has a balanced budget. Now, they did come up $10 million short this last annual budget. However, they had $100 million in the bank to cover it. So I, I would I would have faith and trust in our government leadership. If, number one, they had a balanced budget, number two, if they listened to their people, and Idaho's Idaho's governments, hmm. and there's something about the conservative uh, representatives and, and legislatures, they listen to both sides. They mm-hmm. take both sides into account. They're not driven lockstep into passing legislation that they feel it needs to be done. So there, there's a, a, a push and shove that goes on that I, I really enjoy. The more I meet these folks and understand how their their leadership works, the more I want to jump into it <laughs> and become, you know, part of it as a citizen. Well, Mike, in, so, the, Mike, in the remaining few minutes left in our podcast, of course, you've given us a, a very broad and detailed overview of the process, the next steps, and the timeline. Is there is there anything else in the remaining few moments that you'd like to share with our listeners as regards how this how this is going to unfold? Sure. Thank you, Jim. So we're driving everybody to our website page, which is greateridaho.org. I see. 
and people in other states. They want to know how they can help. What can they do to see this move? My, my response to them is if you go to that website, you look at the questions. If you want to order a T-shirt, order a T-shirt. Wear it. Wear the hat. Put the bumper sticker on with it. And if you can do it, donate a few dollars mm-hmm. because it takes us a chunk of money to get this, keep this rolling. And, and whether it's advertising or direct mail or whatever the case, um, we are grassroots. We have no, no political support, no corporate support. Mm-hmm. It's all by the people. And that's the way it should work. So if you want more information, go to greateridaho.org. That's where the that's where the information is at. Well, and uh, stay stay up with the media and see what's going on there. Okay. Well, listen, Mike. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the San Francisco Experience today, telling us about this this victory of five sta- five counties voting in favor of leaving uh, the state of Oregon and joining Idaho. And sounds as though you're very well organized. And uh, kudos to you and your movement for all the work that you've done. So thank you very much for being part of the program. Hey, thanks, Jim. And I, I appreciate all the, all the people that, that listen to the podcast out there. And uh, that that's part of free speech. And we need to continue with that always down the road. My pleasure. And let's plan to have you come back and update our listeners maybe six months down the road so we'll see how the process has unfolded. Anytime, Jim. Anytime. Very good. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit the website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com, and subscribe to the podcast. It's free to do so, and by subscribing, all future episodes of the show will come directly to your inbox. You can also send me an email, read my blog, make a comment, peruse my book, or listen to any of the previous 155 episodes. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.